we have a really great exercise we do that's driven, that, was, that we sort of modeled from Tony Robbins' six human needs psychology work. And in that work, what he talks about is there being six core fundamental emotional needs that human beings need to meet. And if you, for example, have a habit that meets four or five of those needs, you're going to have an addiction. And so we have a process that we teach in our workshops called how to create an addictive employment environment. And so what we do is we just take a look at the six human needs. So, you know, just for example, we you don't do all of them right now, but let's say one of them is certainty and another one is variety, let's say. Those are two. So now what we would do is we have a brainstorming session on all the ways that we could improve the sense of certainty for our team. Then we do a new brainstorming session on all the ways that, they could, that we could improve their sense of variety. Then we do another one on how they could improve their sense of connection. Then we do another one on how we could make them feel more significant and how we could give them a better sense of contribution and, and how we could make sure that they feel like they're growing. And that's all six of them. Now we have this massive list of possible things we could do. And what we do is schedule them through the year and aim to achieve those things. And so what happens is our people are feeling significant. They're feeling variety. They're feeling it. You know, and so we've created that, that on that basis, we create an addictive work environment. That is super productivity. I, I've been a big fan of, of Tony's work for many years. I, had, I was privileged enough to tour around and work with him for a long time. And he, he's been a good friend and a great mentor. And, uh, and I really believe that the six human needs psychology is among the most important work that he created by far. And I'm with you that he created it and uses it incredibly well in the workshops. But uh, when we took a look at how we could do practical deployment, it really changed it. And we've had a lot of people say that to us of, wow, I've always seen the power of this, but I've never understood how to practically apply it. But let me take it a step further. It works in relationship. It works in parenting. You know, if you've got a couple of kids, what you want to do is sit down and take a look and what are the ways that I can help my kids feel significant? What are the ways that I can make sure my feel, kids feel connection? And, and I got to tell you, these days more than ever, that's an important exercise to do because we are seeing children growing up in an age that should be the most amazing, delightful, uh, safest times ever. And yet these kids are dealing with the highest levels of depression and anxiety anywhere. Says to me, this exercise needs to be done more often in schools with by parents and relatives and what have you. I have a 22-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. And, um, you know, I, I, wanna, I, like, I don't consider myself any grand parenting example. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a road warrior. I travel a lot. I'm a professional speaker. And, you know, and, and I think that there, there are different types of dads out there. There are some dads that are very good at being nine-to-five dads. You know, they get up in the morning and they have breakfast and they go to work and they come back from work. And I, 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 I think I'd be a horrible dad in that environment. I'm much better at spurts of being dad. Like, so I can go out in the world and do what I can to change the world and come home and be fully present. And I really, I prefer that model. But when it comes to education, um, you know, my, my son and I were separated when he was young. My, my uh, wife and I split up and, and we were living in different countries and it was an incredibly difficult time for all of us. And uh, there came a point where uh, we realized that he was just frankly too quick for the educators he was facing. And I, I mean, really silly examples like, um, you know, one day his uh, uh, school called his mom and said that he'd been kicked out of class and she'd have to come pick him up. Now, I got to tell you, I think I was at least nine or 10 before I ever get kicked out of a class. He was in grade one getting kicked out at five years old. And, uh, and so we're that, like, it's incredible. Like th this is, he's clearly going to end up with some kind of long prison sentence if it's starting like this, right? You know, that's, that's what we're all thinking. But his mom goes to the school to pick him up and he's in the hallway 
sitting on the teacher's assistant's knee, talking and playing and having fun. Now, look, for what it's worth, this is many years ago. My son was five, so it's a long, long time ago. I was a much younger man, and, and, and the teaching assistant wasn't so young. And I got to tell you something, and this is a little shallow, but I wanted to sit on her knee. She was cute and fun. So, like, what? That's a punishment? You're going to get kicked out of class and you get to go sit on the teaching assistant's knee? I'm going to sign up for this class and get my ass kicked out. Like, what? This is not punishment. This is reward. And they, they, just, they just didn't understand that. So then here's the, here's the thing. This is how fast kids can learn. He quickly learns that if he's kicked out before about one o'clock, they call his mother, interrupt her life, make her come and get him. And then, she has to, then he has to spend the day with her sour and angry. He found out that if he got kicked out after one, they would just hold on to him until they could put him on the school bus. So he started waiting till after one to get kicked out so he could hang out with the teaching assistant. Then one day he's coming home from school and his mom is opening up his book bag, you know, to see if he's got any like art that they've made or any that kind of stuff. And then she finds a piece of paper with photocopies of his hand. And she's like, where did you get photocopies of your hand? And he's like, and you know, the thing about him, he's always been honest. He just tells you how it is. Like he should, there's times where I think, kid, dude, you could have, you could have concealed that, but no, he's got no guile. He's just, he goes, oh, uh, I got kicked out of class today. And then because the teaching assistant had work to do. So she took me to the staff room. I mean, the Holy Grail, you got to hang out in the staff room. And then he's in the staff room and she's like, oh, making photocopies. And she's like, come on over. I can make If we left him in that school system, he would have learned nothing except manipulation. And he was incredibly good at it. And so at that point, uh, his mom made the decision that it was time for homeschooling. And he was homeschooled right up until about high school, I think, before he started going back into the regular school system. And, uh, you know, so, and I, and by the way, I'm a big fan, as long as you have a socialization path, I'm a really big fan of homeschooling. As long as there's a good, so if there's good sports, they can go play, or there's a community like where we live here is always actually goes to a Montessori uh, sort of preschool type thing. But I'd be very happy for her to be homeschooled because there's a beach right outside with kids on it all the time. She would get good socialization. The only complaint I ever have about um, uh, homeschooling is when the kids don't get out. The way I look at it is this. Homeschooling, when Daniel was doing it, you know, 20 years ago, or not quite, 15 some odd years ago, was um, a very different thing than it is today. These days, homeschool systems have like online classes you can go to, digital workshops and workbooks. It's, uh, the stuff's up to date. There's not so many textbooks to have to buy because it's all online. And so the, the platforms available for today are encouraging and exciting for sure. Which, by the way, there's a lot of parents out there that are homeschooling their kids right now. And they're glad for it because their kids' education is not being disrupted. And I was just on the phone with a friend of mine in Estonia. Schools are being dropped, closed all over the place. And if those kids don't have a homeschooling construct, they're going to lose weeks of school. That's fine if you're under grade 10. But if you're in the last three years of high school, that makes a big difference. When you mentioned that children in school are not allowed to copy one another, which will break a leg later when we're entrepreneurs. And I can relate it. I related it very highly to myself because that's exactly in the situation that I found myself continuously in. It's like copying is super bad. And then I told my daughter and, and, and we really had a discussion about this and that really struck home. And, you know, I think that um, one thing that's missing from the way they teach that stuff in school is they're not really, you know, you don't even face an ethics class until you're in high school. And, and so I think that um, on one level, I think children should be, uh, taught the value of original work 
uh, both respecting your own and other people's original work. And I think that's a valuable thing. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm actually facing a situation right now where one of our students is just teaching our content, no license, just ripping off our concepts and terms. And, you know, that he was obviously not taught that from an ethical perspective early on. And that's, that's an issue. Um, I, uh, that, that said, much of what I teach, I've learned from other people. I just credit them. I, I'm really clear. I learned this from Jim Rohn and I learned that from Tony Robbins and what have you. And I, I feel that that's the right thing to do. In school, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to go to the teacher and say, I learned this from Jimmy and I learned this from Susie. You're like, no, no, no. And so they really teach us to be completely independent and do things on our own. And of course, then we start a business. And, and we run into that same thing, thinking we have to do it all ourselves. Everything has to be original. And man, that's a bad policy. Entrepreneurship is ultimately a sport of collaboration.